Hello. So we're going to be finishing our uh, discussion on uh, praying um, with this one, and we're going to go to something else next week or the next time. And uh, I just want to share that prayer has very little to do with striving to get an answer, has very little to do with the idea that we have to beg God for an answer. We don't have to beg him, all right? He's not uh, He's not aloof. He's not careless. We don't have to beg him for our answers. That's a big key. That's something you have to recognize. God's not out there somewhere in, in the farthest reaches of the universe trying to get us to jump through hoops in order to gain his attention. Remember, we are his children. We're not people of, we're not hired servants. We're not people just walking around the universe helplessly, just a bunch of uh, cells and things that um, uh, that are uncared for. We are held together by God in and of himself. And that is awesome. For me, that's awesome. And so I want us to get out of the mindset and, and I believe that every believer needs to get into the mindset that we don't have to beg God for our answers. We have to come to him, yes, and we need to seek his face, yes, we need to do that. He needs to be preeminent in our life. He needs to be the one that is high above all other principalities and powers. His name is above all of those things. And that's what God wants us to, to, to come to. It's not about you begging God or jumping through hoops in order to get your answer. God, God doesn't do that. God's not like that. What God is like is he wants relationship. He wants fellowship. You know, the only thing, this is really hilarious. The only thing that God really talks about in Genesis about Adam and Eve was that he met with them in the cool of the day. All right. He gave them instructions for sure, but he met with them in the cool of the day um, in the Garden of Eden. And then when Adam and, I, and Eve were hiding, he goes, Adam, where are you? You know, like, like, where did you go? He, he knew exactly physically where Adam was. But for some reason, Adam had broken that fellowship through the sin that he had committed, that he and, and uh, him and Eve had committed. And they didn't. It wasn't wrong um, to have doubts. It's not wrong to have a doubt. It's wrong when you don't bring your doubts to the, to the God of the universe to find out what he thinks about those things. Remember, uh, doubting is not sin. Doubting is a, is a growing process. It's a learning process. Um, he told, kept telling the disciples, why did you doubt? Um, Eve doubted. God, in that she said that if we, we can't even touch this thing. And I, I, I say that touch this fruit has a lot to do with Adam because God told Adam, hey, listen, every tree, everything that's here, you can have except for two things. You can't have the, the fruit of the tree of life and you don't, you can't have the fruit of, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the only two things. Okay. So it wasn't that that um, he didn't have an abundance of stuff. He didn't have an abundance of food. You know, it's not like that. What happened was Eve saw this thing as like, what are you keeping from me? 
the enemy convinced her that God was keeping something from her. And it wasn't that at all. And so she doubted God's word. And that's where we come to. Now, again, I want to say this. Doubting is not in and of itself is not sin. But when your doubt takes the place of the Bible and takes the place of the word of God and takes the place of God's word for you, when you start to doubt that, you're not doubting the word, you're doubting God himself. And that's where the separation of the fellowship comes in. And that separation is sin. The Bible says that in Romans 8, he says, and what can separate us from the love of God? Neither death, nor life, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor any such thing. All right. And then he says, uh, um, you know, not demons and angels, nothing can separate us. But in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. You can read that. It's toward the end of uh, Romans chapter eight. He says, in all of these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. And then so all those things that try to separate us from God's love, we overwhelmingly conquer them. And I believe that that goes back to verse 15, where he says, we didn't receive the spirit of religious duty and never being able to live live up to it. But we've received the spirit of full acceptance where we can cry out, Abba, Father. Okay, so, so we can cry out, Tender Father. That's what we do. We've received the spirit of full acceptance. It goes all the way back to there. And um, now I've tried in my life to push God away. I've tried to jump away from God. Uh, I've given God many, many opportunities not to be in love with me. But he just can't do it because the Bible says that God is love. And God can never deny who he is. He can't deny anything outside of who he is. So, So realize this, first of all. Another thing I want to talk about is this whole part about relational prayer, relational fellowship with the Father, with God, with Jesus. You get to do this. You know, God didn't, God's, again, and I have to say this, and I'm emphatic about it, that God is not out there. God's not just a God who is out there. God is God who's inside of you. The Bible says that that, that that he is in us and we are in him, okay? And so, you you know, it's like the devil looks at us and he sees Jesus. And he, and he really just, the only thing he wants to do is separate us from that understanding so that we can, uh, so that we can fellowship with the lie that, that God doesn't love us. That's what he wants. And God's not like that at all. Okay, so recognize that first of all. Second thing is, I want to tell you that that the Bible tells us to strive for one thing. Only one thing we get to strive for. And the Bible says, strive to enter into his rest. That's what we're trying, that, that's what we're doing. That's, that's something, God, I want to be in your rest. And how do you do that? The Bible says to seek me. If you seek me, you will find me if you search for me with all your heart. He says in Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him. We must know that he is, we must be intimate with the fact that he exists, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who uh, who diligently seek him. He rewards those. So, and it doesn't mean that we acknowledge or that we're intimate with the idea that he just exists, but that we become powerful in the idea and we become intimate with the understanding that God is who he says he is. And he does what he says he will do. And he also will keep his promises and, and he cannot deny himself. 
Um, the Bible says, um, he says that if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. So God is faithful and he is able to do, he is able to bring about that which he put in your heart. You have to understand this. And this is the whole purpose of prayer is not for petitions. It's, it's not a, a, a Christmas list, so to speak, for God. Now, uh, Mr. Rogers, many of you know who he was. He, he was his children's, um, TV show in the, uh, 70s, 60s and 70s and 80s. Actually, he was there for a long time dealing with, uh, things, but he prayed every day specifically for people. Uh, he named them by name. And what he did was he prayed for them as, uh, to what their identity actually is and what they need to walk in. And um, and he did that by name every day. Can you imagine that praying for somebody every day that God would bring them into and to know who they really really are? And uh, and that's what he did. He was a pastor, and um, he just loved. And but he didn't always love. I mean, you can hear his story. You can see his story. Um, but in the beginning of his life, he was very hateful, and then uh, God got a hold of him. And that's that's kind of what has to happen to us. So um, another thing that I want to talk about is this whole part about entering into his rest. We're coming, and that's what brought me out of my my hardest season was being able to enter his rest. I, um, you know, being here, of course, you're, you're amongst 10,000 people um, on a weekly basis. And when school's here, it's, you know, just about just about 10,000 people. And uh, and when school's not here, you're about 8,000. Eight and a half thousand, maybe more, and uh, plus visitors, and so you're you're talking about a place where people want to be noticed, and and I was just like that. I just wanted to be noticed, and so I started to strive, and and people kept coming up to me and asking me for advice. They asked me, "Oh, would you pray for me, Tom? Would you give me a word, Tom? Would you would you do this, Tom? Would you do that?" And and I got to a place where I was burned out by it. Man, I was so burned out by it. And and God was doing something else. God was not, uh, he, he doesn't need me to do these things. He wants me to, but he doesn't need me to. If I don't do it, God will find somebody else who will, you know. But God was concerned about my soul more than I was concerned about my soul. I remember this time in 2018 and right about December of 2018, somebody came up to me and they said, Tom, you really don't love yourself. And I go, what are you talking about? I don't love myself. I love people. You know, the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. So therefore you can look at how you love your neighbor and you can say, yeah, I love myself because I love that. But no, it wasn't like that. I loved them more than I loved me. I was, I was loving them and I was giving them more then I was I was giving I was giving them more grace than I was giving myself. I I was really really hard on myself. Kind of still am, uh, you know, because I want to be who God wants me to be, and I don't want to uh, frolic around uh, the universe just kind of like existing. I want to be what God desired me to be, but I can't be that by striving. I can't be that by by works. I have to be that by just being. We are called human beings, not human doings. And uh, and so I had neglected my soul. I had neglected uh, the things that were important to God. I neglected those things in my life. I neglected myself. And God had to get a hold of me. 
And I had, uh, like I said, I had two nervous breakdowns in 2018, uh, between 2018 and 2019. And then finally, uh, I started coming out of it. Um, I was reading a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And in there, he talked about, and we talked about it yesterday. Uh, in there, he talked about spending like two or three times a day for like five or 10 minutes just meditating in the Word. You know, you enter into rest that way. Uh, you're only victorious over the storms that you can sleep in. Remember, Jesus was sleeping in the boat. And so I had to I had to fix myself. So I had to, uh, so I started to stop twice a day just to meditate in his word. What does his word say? Blessed is the man, you know, who does not uh, walk in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. In his word, he meditates day and night. And uh, and it says, uh, then you'll make your way in Joshua one nine. Then you'll make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success if you meditate in them. So you start meditating in the Word. I started to do that for like five minutes, like take a verse and just meditate on it. Try to digest it. The other thing I did was I stopped doing working seven days a week. I worked seven days a week. I had uh, I had two jobs. At one point, I had three jobs. And and I was working seven days a week, and I wasn't giving myself a day to rest. You know, God is so much smarter than we are. Remember, he told the the, uh, the the Israelites, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then he said later that he is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath. And you have to recognize that that's what he is. It's not a day. It's a person. The Sabbath is a person. And he gives you rest. Um, Come unto me, all who labor, he says. Um, and I will give you rest. Come unto me, all who are laboring, all who are heavy laden. Are you burdened? Do you have a yoke around your neck? It feels like uh, he will give you rest. Know that. There's nothing better than just to come into his presence and to come into his grace. Entering into his rest. It's just so good. And the way to do that is by taking God at his word. There's no hoops you have to jump through. It's not like that. You only have to go before God and you have to say, Jesus, I want you more than anything. And you wait for him. Um, just yesterday, um, you know, this today is the 21st of December, the shortest day of the year for uh, us in the Northern Hemisphere and the Southern Hemisphere is the longest day of the year. Um, but for me, uh, I was at my friend's house yesterday and we were just soaking in the presence of the Lord for like, you know, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it was. And we were soaking in the presence of the Lord, which was so cool. It was just to be in his presence. It wasn't to ask him for anything. It was to be in his presence. And if prayer is anything to you other than being in his presence and having a conversation with him and striving then it is not prayer at all. It's a religious activity. If prayer is something that you do to fellowship with God, then it's cool. Then God does amazing things. Then you're entering into relationship with God. Somebody said to me, I don't like religion. I said, I don't like religion either. I just like Jesus. Okay? I don't like religion. Man, I hate religion. Religion is stupid. Um, I'm sorry, that's not politically correct. Religion is not the brightest idea that you can walk into. Religion is just works-oriented, and God is not that at all. He is totally not works-oriented. 
Um, that's really cool. So for me, it's amazing to know that God is bigger than all of that. I'm not into religious duty, man. I am, re- I am into relational passion for God. I spent 16 months in the Passion Translation of the Song of Songs, 16 months in there, still kind of, still go back and forth into there. And I'm telling you what, it was the most powerful time of just soaking and meditating in the Word. What is he saying? What's going on here? The way that he fashioned his wedding, uh, his marriage seat so that they could carry him and his bride away. You know, he fashioned it with, with, with the most beautiful, um, upholstery. He had a crimson in, in, in mixed in with it. I mean, like who in the world, you know, could make this thing? And he made it of the best wood and he had 60 warrior angels walking around and 60 mighty warriors, um, uh, carrying this, this car, the carrying this seat for him and his bride. Isn't that amazing? Protection around you. Um, when you rest in his presence, I, I think was Moses striving, you know, did, did Jesus ever strive? I don't think so. Uh, remember Lazarus died. Well, actually he was sick. And, um, and then, uh, you know, so they said, Lazarus, your friend is sick. So he stays four more days. The disciples said, aren't you going to go visit him? Cause they thought the resurrection only happened when you're alive. But that's not what it is. The resurrection happens in relationship. And so Jesus said, you know, uh, you know, talk to him plainly. And he said, listen, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. It's so cool. God is, God is just that way. And you have to know that, you know, he came to Martha and Mary that one time. And Martha was working. She was doing what she was supposed to do as a Jewish woman. She was supposed to be working. She was supposed to do these things. And Mary was actually doing what the men usually did. And then so she was distracted. Martha was distracted by the fact that Mary wasn't doing anything. And then Jesus said, listen, Mary has chosen the better way. She's undistracted. She has no distractions. Why are you distracted by this? Don't be distracted by that. Mary has chosen the better thing. Not that Martha was wrong. He never said, Martha, that you were wrong. He said, Martha, Martha, why are you distracted by so many things? You know, he he wasn't doing that. What he was saying was, um, what he was saying in this was that, Martha, listen, I know a better way. I know a better way. It's to be at my feet, to be at rest. Not to be distracted, but to be at rest. And many people are coming into that. We just went through a season where many people here at Bethel especially were, um, were, were stressed out, were, were struggling. And I'm not just talking about the people in the congregation. I'm talking about some of the pastors. Some of the, some of the uh, second-tier pastoral group that are here they, they were distracted and they were they were struggling and they were striving sure there was stuff but they were striving think about that woman with the alabaster jar she had the well, we're, we're gonna we're bringing this thing in for a landing she had the alabaster jar and she walked into the house of simon the leper and jesus was there 
and she broke this jar that was that was that was worth three hundred days' wages. You know, she she brought it in and she broke it in front of him and anointed him for his burial. That woman was at rest. Everybody condemned her. Everybody said, this money, this could have been sold and the money given to the poor. Well, if they were worried about that, why didn't they give this, their own stuff, sell their own stuff and give to the poor? And Jesus says, leave her alone. She has anointed me for my burial. And, once she, and what she did will be remembered. Whenever this gospel is preached, whenever the good news is preached, what this woman has done will be uh, spoken of as a memorial for her. Cool stuff. All right, so we're going to bring this in for a landing. How do you rest? Very simply, don't read the Bible. Um, don't read the Bible to read the Bible through. I, I believe in that uh, totally. I, I've read the Bible through like 38 to 40 times uh, in my 46 years. I love doing that. Um, but that's not why you read the Bible. Do not read the Bible to get a message. Do not read the Bible to preach. Read the Bible to be fed. Um, George Mueller said it. He said, I don't read the Bible to get a message. I read the Bible to be fed. And you have to do that. And if you're not being fed by reading the Bible, then you're not reading the Bible properly. Take a few minutes. Meditate in the Bible. Meditate on his word day and night. How can a young man, Psalm 119 verse 8, how can a young man or how can a person keep their way pure? By keeping it in accordance with his word. Amen. So good. So just rest. Be at peace. The Bible says, cease striving and be intimate. Cease your striving. Be intimate. That's Psalm, uh, I think it's Psalm 4610. And he says later in Zechariah 4, 6, he says, it's not by might nor by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord, it's not by might, it's not by your works, it's not by your strength, it's not by your power, it is by his spirit, says the Lord. Amen. So when you enter into this, remember, take a couple times a day. I mean, if you want to read your Bible through, feel free, but take a couple of times a day just to meditate in his word for five or ten minutes. Have a little notebook with you and and, and write down the, some of the thoughts that you have. Try to see the scripture through different eyes. Try to see the scripture from different angles. Um, and, and you can do that. There's a man by the name of, uh, of Michael Jr. He's a comedian in the United States. He's a believer. But he had a, he had a learning disorder when he was a kid. <clears throat> and so a reading disorder. So what he was able to do, people would say things or he would read something and he would look at it from different perspectives. He had like seven different ways to look at something. And uh, and a lot of us just let those things go because we feel like we understand it right away. And what he didn't, he just had to, he had to learn it. And that's how he became a comedian. You know, um, I know he mentioned one time, and I'll just share this one. But he mentioned one time that he was in the milk department of a grocery store. And uh, he saw the 2% milk and he looked at the lady next to him and he said, hey, you know, uh, what's the other 98% of that made of? And um, it was really, it's just so, so for him, he just sees 2% milk. Hey, what's the other 90% made of? Um, and that's what it looks like. Anyway, guys, um, remember, meditate in his word day and night. Fellowship with him. Honor him and love him. And don't, uh, don't look to the right or to the left on any of these things. Know who he is. 
and, and get to know him better. Spend time with him. If you don't spend time with your spouse, you're going to lose him. And I'm telling you, God wants to spend time with you because he loves you. Anyway, guys, we're bringing this into for a landing. God bless you. We're going to talk about some other things uh, the next time. So, um, so just know that he is amazing, he's powerful, and he's good. Have a great day.